Okay, welcome back to the United Pubcast. This is not going to be fun. It is just past six o'clock in the morning on a Monday morning. Uh, Manchester United have not only ruined the morning, ruined the day, but all likelihood ruined the week. As Manchester United fan here, wherever you are around the world, but especially difficult to take on a Monday morning here in Sydney. Um, I'm not sure where Larry is. Fingers crossed he can join the stream and um, have a bit of a chat with us. If not, I'll try and keep it short and sweet because I don't think there is much to discuss. I think there's one incident in the match to discuss and then I think we're going to have a look, quick look at the table and see where um, that does throw us um, because ultimately, look, top four is still in our hands, no doubt. It doesn't feel like that at the moment because I think there's two 1-0 defeats in a row. I think we're very now confident we're going to lose our next game. I'm not sure who it is against, but okay, I don't think anyone shares any confidence that um, we're going to go on a bit of a winning streak. I think we can, unfortunately, in terms of what we called months ago in terms of our players going to fade and now are our players good enough? That's another debate. But just in regards to the way we knew we were going to finish this season physically, um, I don't think there is much confidence going forward in these remaining games. So it is a tough one. So do um, try and cheer me up. You are holding your phone now. Please do leave a like on the video. Try and cheer us up. Um, flying solo on this one. But um, I don't know if there's a lot to discuss or absolutely nothing to discuss. I'm not sure. So anything in the live chat, throw it in there and um, I'll bounce my thoughts off you guys. Even good to see you, mate. Bunch of frauds. Definitely had that sort of feeling. And look, I sympathise with the players physically in regards to we called this was going to happen, so we can't be surprised or we can't be shocked that they're tailing off. However, in regards to, I always go back to Roy Keane's comments in regards to a leopard's sort of won't change its spots. And in terms of these players' mentalities, or when the pressure's on and we're away in a hostile environment, not that West Ham's a hostile environment, it's not the old Upton Park, but in terms of it's West Ham's biggest game of the season, Manchester United players don't deal with it. I was talking to Rob who might be in the chat, three or four minutes in the kickoff. I said, West Ham are up for this. The crowd's up for it. That's a recipe for United not being up for it. And um, that's something Eric Ten Hag uh, needs to deal with. The players need to overcome. And um, will they? I'm not sure. Um, that'll come down to maybe ownership and standards and structures, etc. But that is another debate. But ultimately, the debate today, in regards to 90 minutes, Manchester United weren't good enough. The team wasn't good enough. The individuals weren't good enough. across. The Did anyone have a good performance? I think... I mean, maybe Luke Shaw and Victor Lindelof, again, I didn't sort of really tactically analyse that match. Maybe off the top of my head, the back four actually, actually, I thought Malassi was actually quite poor. But I thought the rest of the back four actually individually performed quite well. Other than that, that's not going to win your game. Uh, that's going to stop you losing a game. But we're let down by David De Gea, no doubt. And look, really, up front, we're toothless. There was nothing up front. And obviously, there is a huge need for a striker. We all know that. Do you throw Harry Kane in there and that changes things? Maybe it does. You look out to bad Tottenham. Our Tottenham are 10 times worse than that every week, and Harry Kane still ends up top of the goal-scoring charts if it is of Erling in Haaland. So maybe maybe Harry Kane is the answer in regards to the goal-scoring issues. I'm not sure, but um, Perim, good to see you. Take care, lad. It's going to be a tough day at work. A tough day regardless. So whether we have to go for work or not, I'm not sure. Even players aren't turning up now. Players aren't turning up in these big games. Completely agree, but you would argue... Have they over the last decade? Like, regardless of these players, it's been a constant theme, and um, that is something that needs to be addressed. Because if we want to get to where we want to get to, these are the games you do have to show up. There's no point beating West Ham at home or Bournemouth at home or these games at home. You have to go do it away from home. That's what Manchester City do, and that's why they're winning trophies at the moment. Um, look, it is all doom and gloom, and I share all the doom and gloom. It is still in our hands. I'll bring up a table in a little bit. But, um, my God, it doesn't feel like it. And just the narrative around it, you can see Liverpool in terms of they've been in this position for, was it the COVID season? One of the COVID seasons, they were like just out of the top four race. There was no, there was no mathematical chance of them making top four. Then they had goalkeepers scoring goals off corners and they just somehow made it on the final day. 
just has that feel, especially with them chasing us. I think if they were chasing Tottenham or Newcastle, technically they might still be chasing Newcastle. But if they were chasing any other team, if they were chasing Chelsea or Arsenal, it wouldn't be an issue because they're chasing us. You can see them pipping Manchester United to the post. But fingers crossed that's not the case and it's just our emotion talking. But, um, yeah, tough one, tough one, tough one. Box, good to see you, mate. Pros best if we don't come top four. We're clearly not ready for that competition. Need another year of building. A lot of people share, and I wouldn't be agree or disagree, a lot of people do share that feel. I don't. I think throw us in the competition. Whether we win it or lose it, are we going to win the Europa League? Are we going to win the Conference League? I think a lot of people say, okay, no European football. Then ultimately, when come midweek and you see all your rivals playing, you want to be in that position where you want to be playing. So um, I, I, sent, I get the feeling. Um, I don't agree. I'll throw us in the Champions League, see if we can flew good like Chelsea. I want to see the best football and attract the best players, and you only get that with Champions League football. But at the moment, I do, in regards to a rebuild, I do, I do sort of understand people's views. In and around that, Jamie, good to see you, mate. I um, hope all is well. It's obviously, evening in the Northern Ireland. Um, look at Liverpool's last three results. Two games, won by a penalty and beaten Spurs by a goal, scored by a player who should have been sent off and ran out of steam and their luck is going to get them top four. Whether the science behind that or reality, I'm not sure, but it definitely has that feeling. And um, as I said at the start of the match, I said three or four minutes in, I've seen this game a thousand times before where an away crowd, especially away in London, are up for it and Manchester United's players aren't up for it. And when that happens after three or four minutes... You know what's going to happen. And then when David De Gea throws one in his own goal, that adds to it. And it's just, when, remember the years, even when we're bad under Mourinho, Van Hal, Solskjaer, wherever, we went a goal down. You thought, okay, yeah, that, that, that's a shame. Is it going to be our day or not? But you could see a situation where Manchester United have got to come back. Grab a goal, we'll go score two or three. It was, it was always a feeling in the back of your head, whether it happened or not. It was always a feeling. After that goal, after the goal went in today, did you ever feel Manchester United were going to score? I just, both collectively in terms of the way we're playing as a team, but also individually. I just thought there was no way into the... Um, and the West Ham weren't great. I thought West Ham were quite poor, to be honest. Um, I thought there's so many openings there, and the players, both individually, as I said, but collectively in regards to the, the approach, not to sort of pin it on Ten Hag, but there seemed sort of no plan and uh, in terms of execution of the plan, and <laughs> that comes down to the players. I think we can sort of look at... Her, um, I just said here... <laughs> Um, Harry Maguire is at fault for the first goal. Lucky he wasn't on the pitch, or lucky McTominay um, didn't put in that Casemiro performance. We'll be having a different discussion about Maguire, McTominay, and Casemiro there. Um, he made um, it, it just had that feeling. And look, I'm the Veghorst. When Veghorst is on the pitch, that's a tricky one because look, he gives his all, and that's all we can ask for. He's better than all of us. So who are we to criticise his ability? His lack of ability, I should say. He's just. He's unfortunately like playing with 10 men. And I hate to say that. I hate to go in on players, and he's not the reason we lost. Far from it. But he's one of the reasons we didn't win. Um, and did Martial do any better on the... Or technically, okay, he played a lot better football when he came on, but did he do enough to sort of get Manchester United points? No, he didn't. So I can't sort of go in on Weghorst and praise Anthony Martial because there was absolutely nothing up front regardless of who was there. And I just think, yeah, at the end of the match, you look at squad depth. If you want to look at ownership, if you look at what's coming off the bench must-win game, or you put this in a must-win category, a very important category, you're chasing a game and you're bringing Fred on. I just think, well, is he going to get you what you need away at West Ham? Probably not. And that's not to be critical of Fred. It's just in terms of bringing players off the bench. And maybe you can point that to not that Ganacho was going to change anything in that last five, ten minutes, but bring Ganacho on. And that's the point a little bit of um, a finger at Eric Ten Hag, but not to be critical of him. It was just just a bad feeling of today. <laughs> um, could, could have all been avoided by the elephant in the room, and we'll discuss it, David De Gea. Look, he's one strength to his game, which is keeping him at Manchester United, and I think rightly so, is his shot-stopping ability. He, he didn't stop this shot, obviously, and 
it's a hard one because I don't think today in regards to the performance, anything stemmed from the way we're playing out from the back in terms of building pressure or, or inviting pressure. I think it was one of those games that was very much played in that sort of middle third of the pitch. and It wasn't really a football game. It was a battle. And when a team at the bottom of the table versus a team at the top turns into a battle, West Ham's fighting for their lives. Manchester United are fighting for really nothing, really the end of the day in regards to I know top four doesn't feel like it's there or it feels like it's up in the air, but it's technically still in our hands. It's quite comfortable if Manchester United show up in a few home games. Um, we'll get that. So West Ham are fighting for their lives, and that's the difference. When a team is fighting there, they're, they're going to get um, to jump on any team. If Manchester City were sort of playing for nothing and a team was in a relegation battle, the relegation battle team will play sort of come up trumps. So um, in regards to David De Gea's performance, it just comes down to Eric Ten Hag has a decision to make because if you bring in a new goalkeeper who's better with his feet, and this, this mistake didn't come from his feet, which is the ironic part of it. But um, if you bring in a goalkeeper who's better with his feet, okay, he's maybe going to lack in that shot-stopping ability, which David De Gea does, but then you point to this mistake, and he's obviously had one or two of these errors in the past as well. That They are mounting, unfortunately. There's no hiding from that. It's a tough one. Do let me know your thoughts on what happens with De Gea now because it does look like he's in line for a new contract. Now, I think that's probably the... Can you sell David De Gea this window? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the contract situation is in regards to extending um, like an automatic um, extension of the deal. But, but what do you do with the goalkeeping situation now? Because a lot of people are throwing these names out. Are they better goalkeepers? Like, you can be a better goalkeeper with your feet. You can be younger. You can be on less wages. Okay, you can have a brighter future. But there is something about performing at Manchester United. Like, I'm, I'm very clear under I'm sort of – it's an assumption. It's lazy. I'm very confident our next goalkeeper will fail. I'm very confident we can bring in the best goalkeeper in the world. I have a feeling that's going to happen to him on the first day at Old Trafford next season. And then we'll say, well, what did we have in David De Gea? Is it worth getting the ball playing keeper over a shot stopper? And that'll be the balance Eric Ten Hag makes. If Eric Ten Hag makes the decision to go get that goalkeeper, you fully have to back it. And large parts of that decision would be the right call, in my opinion. But David De Gea doesn't do himself any favours when he's one strength. Um, he's let down in that area. So David De Gea, in my opinion... Um, Look, ultimately, when you, you, you point to the fingers and you look at the highlights, David De Gea was to blame in regards to this result. When Manchester United concede a goal, I do expect us to go score two or three against West Ham, and we didn't do that. So all's to blame. What well, we can point the finger at David De Gea. I, I fully understand that. But um, collectively, I, I think individually, collectively and individually across the field, um, we were poor. Her, David De Gea was a part of that, but he wasn't the reason we weren't scoring goals. A, lo a lot of people will try to... To blame that, they'll say, well, if he played better football out of the back, we would have scored more. No. When the ball's at the other end of the box, 100 metres from David De Gea, it's down to the strikers and the midfielders to put the ball in the goal. Nothing to do with De Gea. So all to blame. Um, David De Gea is going to take a lot of the criticism, and um, rightly so, in regards to um, the incident. And he's going to have to deal with that. Eric Ten Hag's going to have to deal with that, both behind the scenes in the training ground and then potentially in the transfer market. But in the transfer market, can Eric Ten Hag do anything? Who's signing the checks for these um, big money transfers? Absolutely no one at the moment. And that throws into another discussion, regardless of the football, regardless of the top four race, what's going to happen with with our ownership? Fingers crossed it does happen soon. But if it does happen soon, is that soon enough for the transfer window? Probably not. I thought Jude Bellingham's gone to Real Madrid. James, not to be clamoring for James Milner at Old Trafford, but James Milner has gone to Brighton. I'm just thinking we're still sort of haggling over maybe Sabitzer and Veghorst. Can we make one of these deals permanent? Fingers crossed Sabitzer, fingers crossed not to Veghorst. Um, that's just my opinion. But um, I'll come to one or two chats before we bring up um, the ladder. I don't want to look. I haven't looked at it, but I've got it there. I don't want to bring it up, but I might have to just to have a look at the maths behind. Um, are we still in this top four race or not? Um, this worries me. Boxy Chelsea will be <laughs> Two weeks ago, they thought, oh, at least we've got Chelsea. There's three points there. 
Are you feeling that at the moment? I don't think any Manchester United fan is is confident. I'm going in that Chelsea match now, especially after they did get that win against Bournemouth Emad. We've got ourselves to blame, putting ourselves in a position where every game is a must-win. We're on the back, um, we're on the back foot from the start of the season. Yeah, <laughs> no death. Brighton and was it, yeah, Brighton and Brentford at the start of the season. Then you could say start of the season, or well, even before that, the transfer window before that, like in regards to the preparation for that season, it has always felt behind the eight ball. And uh, it's I don't know, I don't know how to sort of react to this because. Luke Shaw's handball at Brighton, does that change the thing? If that's not a handball and we get a point there, does that good point sort of stand, put us in a little bit of a bad position going into this game or dealing with this result? I'm not sure, but it just feels like it's caving in at the moment. And we are, I don't like to use the term bottling in regards to I feel that that term's way overused in modern football. And the way I define bottling or, or interpret it is in regards to players underperforming due to the pressure, in regards to, okay, I can't deal with this pressure, so there's a mistake. And ultimately, when you do look at the mistake like that from David De Gea, or you do look at Manchester United going into favourites, well, actually, we wouldn't have been favourites against Brighton. I remember the bookies' favourites at Wembley. Brighton were actually favourites, and um, we had a draw with them in that match. So I don't think how we go away to Brighton um, start favourites. So Brighton were favourites in that match, so I don't think we bottled that. Um, this one here, I, I don't think we bottled it due to the pressure at West Ham. I just think we bottled it. I think we sort of threw it away in regards to our capabilities. In regards to, and you can you can point that in regards to the players' mentality and their attitude, and they don't have it. But I think they might just not have it. It's not something where Manchester City um, would cave to pressure. I just think that the Manchester United players at the moment, yeah, we go back to Roy Keane's comments. Um, Leopards don't change their spots. So I don't think we have the capabilities to perform at that level consistently. So um, I don't think they cave into pressure. I just think they're that's it's what they are. So, but maybe you have a different opinion um, to me. Do let me know your thoughts. Um, box here, our form has been good, but we dropped points at home, drawn with relegation fodder, Leeds, Southampton. Yeah, those two games, that you change those results to, to wins, and we're having a very different discussion now. Um, as well, David Hale was poor today. I don't completely blame him for the goal. Forget what, forget what the transition was in regards to the build-up to the goal. Um, it did feel like they were going to get a shot away on target. Then Ben Rama was the guy with the goal, was it? And um, it did feel when he was closing in on goal, something was going to happen. I don't know if that was Luke Shaw or Victor Lindelof who was closest there, but it did feel like something was going to happen. I'm not sure how we lost the ball and he found himself in that position. But don't look a shot on target. He definitely does have to do better. And De Gea has made most errors leading the goals of any goalkeeper this season. Yeah, that's a stat he can't hide from. I think that you have to apply a little bit of contact. Now, not through that mistake. It's a clear mistake. But in some of the other... Um, times where he's been labelled a mistake. I think technically it's not. Sometimes stats are a little bit misleading, but it's one that's on face value. Um, doesn't help his cause. Um, and Eric Ten Hag's decision, um, definitely it's definitely held against him. But going back to front, um, any other performances um, you want to make note of in the chat, do let me know. I'm not sure if I can bring myself to 3 2 ones today. In regards to it, it is a tough feeling. So do let me know if there are any 3 2 ones. I'm happy to sort of skip it today. I'm not sure where Larry is. Maybe if Larry was here, we could have a discussion and sort of bounce a couple of performances off each other. But, yeah, I'm sticking clear of 3 two ones at the moment. I'm pretty pissed off with the group of players. But back to front in regards to, as I said, the back four besides Troy Malassi, I thought Malassi had a... Look, he's 13 million pound signing in regards to, I think it was about 13, 13, 15 million pound signing coming in this season. I think he's, he's done well, Troy Malassi. For what he is, I think he's done well this season and I do like him. Um, and you do have to be patient. I think the obvious comparison everyone probably lazily makes is Patrice Evra. Takes time. So no doubt um, if Eric Ten Hag has faith in Malaysia, we do need to be patient with him, of course. Frustrates me. 
I played Diego Delo at left back. I just see a little bit more calm and composed. I was just think if Tromalasi pushes one more player in the back to give away a needless foul, oh, selling. <laughs> Obviously not selling, but you know what I mean. He's just so rash and so immature in regards to the way he plays. But yeah, Diego Delo is our left, our left back for the remainder of the season. Unless Rafael Varane comes back, then you can push Luke Shaw back to left back. But Tromalasi is struggling at the moment. And look, he put in a very good performance the other day. It was against Hassan Villa, I think it was. I thought he put in a very good performance there. So there is something there. And be patient with him. But I thought he was the weak link, in my opinion, in the back four today. I thought Wan-Bissaka had a solid game. I thought Luke Shaw and Victor Lindelof, not ultimately on the losing side, um, is centre-back. So that's not going to sort of do their sort of sort of cause any good, but I thought that they were solid enough. In the midfield, I thought we were poor. Ericsson, I thought, now he got the hook, which is a standard thing. When you see Christian Ericsson in the starting lineup, you know he's going to get subbed off a little bit later. Casemiro and Bruno, I thought, were very poor. I thought, tried their best. I thought they, were, they wanted to do the right things. I just thought their execution, both of them were poor, in my opinion. I'd have to go, I'm not going to go back and watch the match, but I'll probably have to to get a better sort of analysis of the match. And up front, Anthony, Beghorst and Rashford, Nothing. That's not to say get get rid of them or anything. It's just today, nothing. And today is when we needed them. And obviously nothing. And the players off the bench, I said the tone was set by the players in the start 11. So we can look at the players coming off the bench and could they have done more? Yeah, they could have. I don't blame them. Um, I blame the start 11 in regards to um, putting um, ourselves in the position and sort of getting West Ham, getting the crowd involved, getting West Ham up for it, making West Ham confident. Because I don't think West Ham are a confident team. But if you give them confidence, they're definitely going to take it. And I think you do need to start well against teams like this and remind them where they are on the table and remind them where they're in the position on the why they're in a relegation battle. We didn't. We handed them a goal, said, hey, you've beaten Manchester United, enjoy this. And I just think that ultimately that's that's going to come back to bite you when a team is fighting for their life. So we need to start games a lot better. We need to finish games a lot better, obviously, as well. And that is, um, I think, the difference between top teams and not-so-top teams. I think at the moment we're probably where we should be around fourth. Manchester City are top because they start the match well. They start the game with two goals every couple of minutes at the start of the match, and they finish the matches. Well, I know they conceded against Leeds late on, but you know what I mean. In reality, are far more consistent um, throughout the 90 minutes, which is going to be the difference in terms of where we want to end up. Um, box, um, regardless of injuries plus tiredness, it's not a good not a good look if Ten Hag throws away top four. 100%, I think there is definite reasons so if we do throw it away i think we can point to and not to make excuses excuses slash reasons what's the difference but there are reasons if we throw this away but the fact of the matter is in the points gap we did have in the position we did find ourselves in it would be throwing it away and look it's not sack eric ten Hag far from it i'll still give him a new contract but you would have to look at eric ten Hag, and you'd be looking at some of the decisions i go back to larry and i go back to so many times I think it was Charlton. It was Charlton or Forest. Or it might have been Forest, maybe. Well, Charlton, Forest, or maybe there was a Europa League game as well, where we go into second legs or, or Reading in the FA Cup type thing. Nothing games. No, the tie is over, and we've got full strength. I just think there's 90 minutes that player doesn't need. And I just think, ultimately, that, that is my huge criticism of Eric Ten Hag. I think he's got so much right this season, and he continues to do so much right, and he is the man for the job. The criticism has been his um, lack of squad rotation. But then, ultimately, he could come back and say, well, if I didn't, um, play my strongest level would have lost that game. And we are in a good position points-wise in regards to where we were last season. So um, it is a balancing act with Eric Ten Hag and that squad rotation. But um, <laughs> tricky one. But um, I don't feel any better. After 20 minutes chatting, this is still 6.20 a.m. in the morning here. Um, please do leave a like on the video just before I do wrap up. Um, it would be very much appreciated because it is going to be a tough, tough week. I'll just bring up the Premier League table. I haven't seen this, so... Um, 
I'll just bring up it on the Premier League website here. Talk me through it, um, what you're thinking here. Okay, so we have, what, four games left. I believe those four games are Bournemouth, Wolves, Chelsea and Fulham. Obviously, we have Wolves and Chelsea and Fulham. Is that three home games for us? Let me know if that's three home games and Bournemouth is away. That obviously is in our favour in regards to looking back at the stats. Wolves, yeah, well, Rashford scored away at Wolves this season, so obviously Wolves will be a home home match, and um, maybe that is in our favour. Maybe that gives a bit, bit of a silver lining. Be looking at the points there. Obviously, Liverpool only a point behind, but we do have that game in hand. So that game in hand, hypothetically, let's say that's Chelsea. That takes us to 66 points, four points clear. A, a, a couple of wins. Give me two wins. I think Liverpool will drop a point here or there. Now, the feeling at the moment is they're going to start running away with it and continue to win, and we have to prepare ourselves for that, that that will be the case. And if that is the case, um, Manchester United better be winning games. I think that the technicality is nine points. If we get nine, they can't catch us. But um, a tricky spot there. Look, Arsenal, I just saw before um, the Man United match kicked off at 4 a.m. here, quickly watch the Arsenal-Newcastle highlights, and Arsenal look good. I'm not sure what the performance was like, but let's see. A win away at Newcastle is a big win for them. So technically, even Newcastle, I'm sure they're sort of starting to look over the shoulder. Um, but they obviously have even a two-point gap on us, so... It is a tricky one. Neither both of us aren't going to sort of miss out on the top four, but both have to be careful of Liverpool behind us. So, um, top four there. Look, at the moment, I feel like we're throwing it away, and that is the definite feeling. I'm sure I'm definitely not going to disagree, or argue with anyone who shares who has that feeling in the chat. But I think you, you look at that. There's a few chats here. Uh, Box beat Wolves in Fulham. I think that gets us in the top four. No, I do. Yeah, Manchester United are going to beat Wolves in Fulham at Old Trafford. Well. I've said that many times before, and teams like that have come to Old Trafford and got the points. So it is a hard one at the moment. Today, I'm saying, no, we're not beating Wolves and Fulham at Old Trafford. Maybe in two or three days' time, um, when I get a bit more positive news about an ownership or something, maybe my opinion will change or come kick off. I'll say, no, Manchester United will win this game. So um, it, it is a, tr- a tricky spot here. Uh, email, we need three wins to secure fourth. Yeah, so, so nine points. And look, Manchester United, even in the position we are, even with tired legs, well, we shall get those three points. My concern is both individually, Scott here, good to see you, mate. Obviously, very good morning to you. <laughs> Doing a lot better than us, I take it. No shame in dropping points to the Mighty's Hamlet, lads. All the best teams have done it. West Ham is a tricky one in regards to when they're up for it. Now, I know it's not Upton Park in regards to the way, remember that game, it was the, it was the final game at Upton Park in regards to that they were fully up for it. When the West Ham crowd is up for it, regardless of the London Stadium and the the dynamics and the feelings West Ham have towards that stadium. When they're up for it, West Ham, look at 95 in terms of when we threw away the league on the final day of the season. When West Ham are up for it, there's not much Manchester United can do. Um, it's a little bit of a bogey ground. They always have something over us. So even if they're in a relegation, it has a big game feel. Manchester United West Ham will always be the biggest game of the round in regards to it is a sort of a classic Premier League fixture. And we have struggled there in the past. And um, we have had obviously many good results at West Ham, but it's of no shock. I don't think anyone sort of waking up as a neutral this morning sees West Ham one man United. No, I don't think anyone's going to be shocked. That, yeah, that happens sort of thing. So we have to deal with this as fans. The players have to deal with a lot better because they're the ones who have to bounce back. Boxy, it's an interesting chat here. Brighton, three games in hand. Uh, what are they on? 55 points. Yeah, look, Brighton, look, one or two wins for Brighton in these games in hand, and that changes things. That might put a, apply not just pressure on us, but Liverpool, and maybe that benefits us in regards to maybe applies a little bit of pressure on Liverpool. What is Europa League? Is Europa League just fifth and sixth place teams? I'm not sure. Um, because Liverpool, they, 
look, I think you're those teams in fifth, sixth, seventh, you're almost in that tricky spot. Do you want your league? Do you want to push for Champions League? But if it goes wrong, you're going to find yourself in the Conference League. It's a tricky spot for those clubs. So Manchester United are in a good position. Doesn't feel like it because it feels like we're throwing it away and giving it to our, our most bitter rivals, of course. But um, I look at that table and um, we are in a good position. Now, not as good as we'd like to be, not as comfortable. It should be wrapped up by now um, if we perform better at a certain stage of the season. But um, do I have confidence? No, I don't have confidence today. I think maybe in 12 hours' time I might have a little bit more confidence after I have a bit of a sleep. As I said, it was a 4 a.m. game here at 6.30 in the morning here now. Um, yeah, your head is all over the place on a Monday morning, um, unfortunately. But um, as I said, I don't think I don't think I'll bring myself to three two ones in regards to good performances. I go back to that sort of the right side of the defence. I thought Wan Bissaka, sorry, Luke Shaw and Victor Lindelof performed well. Not good enough. N- not in regards to a bad performance, just well. In regards to going and winning the game, the players, the match winners at the other end didn't do well enough. And um, uh, that's what led us down. Uh, besides, obviously, um, David De Gea um, obviously had a crucial impact in throwing away the points. So, um, look, a tough one to take as Manchester United fans. Um, I do appreciate everyone in the live chat joining us. As I said, I'm not sure where Larry is. Um, maybe had a bit of a sleep in, but fingers crossed he can come back and have his two cents as well. And we're going to have a bit of a chat. But um, as I said, Hopefully everyone has a good um, start to their Monday or end of their weekend if they are in the UK. It's, we're not going to have a good Monday, but you know I'm just trying to be polite. And um, we'll be back soon. So please do leave a like on the video. Very much appreciate it. It will cheer us up greatly. And um, if you are new, hit that subscribe button. And um, Larry and I will chat to you very soon. Cheers.